back it, back it Yeah, pull up to the bumper game with the signal Cover me, cause I'm changing how to handle on it My life, but I'm broke it When I get to where I'm going, gonna have you saying it and I am your host, Jess Zeno. On every episode of this weekly podcast, I connect with rebel women who share their never-before-heard stories about how they reinvented themselves and set their course to success. Today, the mothers are bringing the magic. This Brooklyn-born, Afro-Puerto Rican, spiritualist, tarot, diviner, bruja, and entrepreneur, as well as mama to a four-year-old daughter, Sahara, channels her gifts through tarot, teaching people how to harness their unique spirit as a modern alternative therapy teaching. So let's get witchy. Let's please welcome Miss Tatiana Morales or Tatiana Taro as her fans know her to the show. Hey lady. Hey Jess, what's good? good, mama. <laughs> I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you. Um I would Thank love you. to start off like right away, get right to the meat of the matter, which is what is a bruja exactly? And do you still identify as that? So this could be a little complex. There's, they, I, I guess there's, there's two versions of bruja as we can think of it. Bruja in this modern day and age is a word that is very popularized and can conceptualize this quote unquote new age witchy movement, which is not new age at all. But the term old is age. meant to kind of old age, ancient age, <laughs> ancient, ancient ways, <laughs> ancestral ways, right? But the term is heavily used between the Latinx community or actually even outside of that community because it's kind of like it encompasses everyone now of, of every sort of denomination, race, and background orientation. But it's used to kind of categorize as, a, as someone who's a spiritual person who's on a spiritual path and, a path and quest to knowing the self and knowing about their ancestral lineage and knowing ancient traditions that predate Christianity and patriarchal systems and a lot of things that kind of involve the term of a, being a bruja would be someone who is tapping into their own senses and their own sense of autonomy to empower themselves through everyday life, whether it's using uh, forces of nature, uh, divination, talking to spirits, you know, ancestral veneration and all of that. And so it's a, it's a widely heavily used term for anyone who falls in that bracket and is really trying to um, find the self and is in a quest for that versus bruja, which is you know, if you speak to someone of the Latinx community who is more of a traditionalist, like maybe a grandma or a great grandma um, who comes from olden times, they don't really see that as a term of empowerment. I mean, some do and some don't, depending on their um, background. But, you know, it is known that, you know, if you are labeled a bruja, you actually have occultist power. You have the ability to, you know, alter energy, alter things to your will so that you can manifest your desires in whatever orientation that is, whether it be good, bad, and in between, right? And so not everyone is born with that genesis quite Not everyone is born with that gift. You know, some of us come out of the womb and we're fantastic singers. Some of us are not. Some of us come out of the womb and we're diviners. We, we know how to just pick up energy on a person. We can read a person. But some of us can just really connect to herbs and just know what herbs go together very well and how to mix and match and make a, a pot of, of, of soup that's going to immediately heal particular ailments in the body. And, and some people are just natural born mediums and stuff like that. And so some people take the term bruja very serious because it, it, it it's regulated to a particular denomination, a particular de tradition, a culture that uses that term, that uses certain folk magic that involves that term. And it's, you know, anybody who deviates from that, whether you're white, black, Asian, et cetera, they wouldn't use bruja for those people because those cultures have their own terminology to describe a person who's born 
with those abilities and powers, right? And so we have two different uh, differing lens on what brujas can mean. I personally never really called myself a mm. bruja. I, you know, all, I was raised by my Puerto Rican side and my Puerto Rican side is not very mystically inclined. Mm. Um, intentionally we are, but not intentionally so. So I've never really heard that term growing up, right? Under Unless it was under the context of Latino media and hearing like superstitious news. Or, like, in Colombia, there was this bruja that put a hex on her head or something like that. So I wasn't really, it didn't feel at home for me. It didn't really resonate with me. And so when this first whole movement exploded, like when I started using Instagram like 10 plus years ago, Everyone was being called a bruja, and then I just got labeled under that because I'm Afro Latina, uh-huh. and it's fine. Like it's fine. I'm not offended by it, but it wouldn't really come out of my uh-huh. mouth. So, you know, so we need to so, love that vibe um, of yours. <laughs> no, it's, 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 um, it's <laughs> fine. It's okay. <laughs> I want to know. You know, you're talking about mystical powers and being born with these skills and these powers. What did that look like for you being born into? I would imagine if you're Puerto Rican, there was some sense of church happening there, especially in New York, right? Am I right to say that? That your family was sort of Catholic? Yes and no, actually. (laughs) So my family history is a little, it's just a little all over the place. It's bizarre. So my mom is Black, my dad's Puerto Rican, and I was raised predominantly on my Puerto Rican side. Yeah, I guess. Some, they're, they're church going people, but they don't really go to church. At least my grandma's really the one that's in it to win it. But she is, I I would categorize her as a wholehearted Christian. Like she does not judge anybody. She's like pro-trans. She's just like, as long as you love and you love people and you respect people and you do right into people, I don't care. She calls me a bruja. She's she's like my brujita negrita, you know, my little black witch, you know. Well, she seems like a good person. We don't even need to popularize her. She just seems like a good human. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She is. She's like a a pot of gold. So sweet. But um, that was the only exposure to the church I had growing up. Again, she wouldn't really go regularly on Sundays, but she would read the Bible very regularly. There was a lot of psalms and and, and um, gospel music and Spanish in the house and worship in, in, in Puerto Rican ways. But my father very much was against that. He was against anything that was kind of programmed to tell you how to think, how to feel, how yes. to worship, how to yes. revere. And so he wasn't an atheist. I'm curious he how he, where he came to be so, you know, some sort of having his own thoughts about not listening to what the rules are, because I am, I mean, that's a rebel and I'm all for it. Like I sort of, yeah, I think it's a combination of two things. So my mother's actually the antithesis of that. She's a devout, I would say maybe even fundamental uh-huh. Christian. And so she knew, you know, fortunately, you know, our, our relationship's a little scarred and I'm, I'm not in touch with her, but if she actually knew what I was doing, she would probably like drop it. Like she would just freak out. And so my marriage, uh, excuse me, not my marriage, their marriage together was very strange because my dad was, you know, all about finding your own path and find a very much a spiritualist finding your own path. And, and he was like, you know, we had the Tao Te Ching um, books and, and all that stuff growing up and just different creative visualization and, and Buddhism and all these things that, you know, yeah, everything just growing up in the household. But she was just like, if my child doesn't get baptized, she is a child of the devil. And so my dad's like, okay, we're not going to do this. (laughs) We're not going to do this. I think that definitely hit, you know, nailed it in. They were very, 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 very young when they had me. And on top of that, I think my grandma is a little bit more loose with her religion. Whereas in the beginning, she was kind of like my mom being like, oh, you better baptize this child because the devil's coming after her. And so that sort of fear mongering, do this or else you're going to be in damnation. He wasn't about that life. He's he's very much a rebel. He's very much independent. And he's very much a free spirit, a creative free spirit. I think that was kind of like the nail that hit the head on the nail that hit the head on whatever these people say about that. <laughs> the thing that hit the head on the thing. <laughs> you know? That 
that was it. That was the catalyst to this whole situation. And he was very much on par with the way that my grandma is now. He's like, I want you to find your own thing. I can't tell you what to worship and appreciate and, and how, you know, what spiritual path you should be on if you want to be on one at all. That's your personal life choice and your quest to go on as long as you good at everything that you you know, just try to be the best in whatever it is that you want to be. I don't care if you want to be a clown, just be the best clown you want to be, <laughs> you know, and just be a good human, always do the right thing. So those were like two major moralistic themes that he's embedded in me and has always said throughout my childhood. And, you know, I'm grateful I had the liberty to kind of explore. Otherwise, none of this would be possible. Like I wouldn't be in this profession. Otherwise. So when did you know that the gifts were there? How did you experience that? And then how did you put words to it? I technically started reading cards around the age of six. And I was actually reading palms then. And I was just doing it. Like there's just, there's no rational explanation. I was just doing it to classmates in, in the lunchroom and in school and just dabbling in things at home. I was an only child, so it's not like people were on my ass trying to see what I was doing. I was just kind of entertaining myself, right? Because they were just adults and me. But um, there's there's no one who showed me what tarot cards are. I didn't really have any reference points to what they were. And at that time, I wasn't actually even using tarot cards. I was using playing cards that I found in the house. And I was just pretending like the hearts is for love and, and for luck. And the spades is, ooh, someone's talking bad about you (laughs) it's like oh there's a challenge on your path you know you shouldn't go there tomorrow like something that kids would completely make up but my family remembers that I was been I've always been on this like wavelength since I was a kid so they were like okay maybe there's something on to what she is doing that kind of grew with me that kind of grew with me I I got gifted a deck of cards in high school from a close friend who went to a flea market in Brooklyn that's when I officially started using tarot cards. I never bought a book on it. I never looked into it at that time. I did that much later, later in my years in college. But I was giving readings in the classrooms and in the, uh, well, you know, trying to get away with it at least, and giving readings in the lunchrooms. And people would wait for me in neighboring schools because they would hear about me word of mouth. There's this chick that's reading palms. Let's go to the circle and let's get our palms red because she's pretty freaking accurate. So that kind of grew into its own entity. I didn't think about it much. It wasn't my main passion. I was studying dance and I was into archaeology and history and all that stuff. And it just wasn't really in. I didn't have anybody else that did it. There were no friends. You know, there was no social media. Spirituality wasn't a thing at that time. And so... You know, I always just thought like, okay, this is a gift. This is just a gift that I picked up. I didn't, I didn't put two and two together until I got initiated into an African tradition, spiritual tradition called the Sheshe, Ifo Arisha. And in Ifo Arisha, we get a lot of readings. We get a lot of divinations from Ifa. It's a div- different divination system. Is that a god or that kind a of, goddess? Or is that a, is that like a higher power? Not really. It, well, it's it's a little complex. There's there's reverence to a god called Olodumare. There's reverence to your ancestors called Egungun, and then we also have we have Orishas as well as other entities. Orishas are personifications of nature that have evolved. They can be perceived as personifications of nature. They can be mostly associated with deities, but we don't necessarily call them as such. They're raw, primordial energies of of nature and forces right that that once existed in this world and and have evolved to these more widely i guess conscious beings and so the readings will tell you who is talking and and what your destiny is like and what your life is like and what your past is like and i say that to say that a lot of these readings that i have received all say she was born with the gift of divination she is a natural born diviner this is someone who can divine with her eyes closed. This is someone who is attached to divination. No matter what tool you give her, that is one of her gifts, right? And so it didn't click. <laughs> you know, my elders, when I first started working with them, they had tested me. They were like, I want you to give me a reading. Like, you know, just to be like, let me see what this girl has. And then the next day, the reading came true. So okay. they were like, oh, <laughs> okay. okay, cool. <laughs> 
on the internet is bullshit. <laughs> like, you know? So, yeah, so I say that to say that's when it actually finally clicked in that this was a thing, you know, because I didn't have any reference points to this being a traditional thing in your lineage or, you know, no one in my family that I knew of or my Puerto Rican side had been reading. I found out later through a lot of ancestral veneration and talking to my mom's side of the family that I have an auntie that read cards and whatnot. Um, not to the extent that I did, but she was the one that they would go to. And so it's just interesting to know that that, you know, that that's, that's a validating point, that, that you're not just a freak. <laughs> you're the one in the entire lineage. <laughs> How did you hook up oh, with this Lord. group? When did you find this group or how did you find them or what, how was their acceptance of you into their group? What does that look like? I've always been interested in the Orisha tradition. I'm from Brooklyn, New York. So you kind of see aspects of it dripping down Flatbush and other areas where there's, it's very heavy, heavily populated with the Caribbean or Latin people. What I predominantly saw growing up because I was on the border of Bedside in Bushwick, was Santeria and Lukumi, which is a very similar parallel tradition, but it differs. And so there's a lot of reverence of saint, and there's a lot of Catholicism and blended in the African tradition due to the transatlantic slave trade and, and how things had to transport here to the new world. So that's what I saw growing up, and I wasn't really that into that tradition uh but i did hear of the orishas and you know like now everybody kind of hears about oshun because of beyonce or like yemoja you know all these things so i i had piqued curiosity about them but i never really pursued looking for information and again during that time it wasn't widely there was no like internet social media stuff going on i was working as a dance teacher and a dancer and I was working in one of these schools in Bed-Stuy. One of my close friends was also working alongside of me as, as an African drummer. Um, and he's in the Sheshe tradition. He's in the, you know, African, you know, the pure African tradition of uh, Ifa Orisha. And he always said, like, you need to get a reading with my uncle. I see Oshun all around you. You need to get a reading. I said, okay, well, like, what, a reading's not going to hurt. I, I'm interested in hearing, you know, what they have to say. and. I sat down in the mat with his uncle, who was a Baba Lao, who's a head priest. And basically the mat immediately said, you have to be crowned Oshun. Wow. The reading was like, Oshun wants you to get initiated right away. You're going to be a high priest in this tradition. And, you know, even for some years later, I didn't take it serious to start saving for initiation. But I did start working with that Baba Lao. I did start working with them. I did start studying with him. And so I always had that as a close relationship. And it wasn't until I moved to New Orleans and got married that I decided to actually commit fully and get initiated. And then I needed a more of a community here in New Orleans. There, you know, I had left bedside. I was only working with one guy who was based in Florida. So I actually prayed for my elders to come in my life. And they joined forces, Maya Luo, who I was working with in Brooklyn, and my elders in New Orleans, they met up. Maya Luo pretty much tested them over the phone and had an interview with them to ensure that they knew their stuff and they were, you know, copacetic and, and helping train and whatnot. And, and that's how the merge happened. And that's how I kind of started up with them. I'm their first godchild, wow. too. So <laughs> Also, yeah. New Orleans is a, like a town unto itself as far as the spirit world that lives there very palpably. Like I have always felt that when I go to New Orleans that like you're in the other dimension when you're in New Orleans. Were you called down there spiritually? Like how did you end up there? Because to me, New Orleans is like the hotbed of like the spirit world being alive. It's a bowl of water. We're, we're like literally submerged in water. And water is one of the main conduits to spirit, right? We use water and we use fire to cause spirit down. Just even in the sense how people scry with the ocean or they divine by looking into a bowl of water. Or they, they meditate on the ocean. They can pick up information. But there's a lot of history in New Orleans, too. If you think about, you know, enslaved captives that were brought here and the traditions that were brought here as well 
I was absolutely called to New Orleans. I was absolutely called to New Orleans. It was a nudging feeling. I had visited twice and every one of those visited visitations prior to me moving, there was just a firm confirmation that I, I am going to move here one day. I wasn't planning to move here right away, but I am going to move here one day. And that one day happens like maybe two months later after my second Manifestation, visit. Baby. And it was, yeah, it was just kind of like boom, boom, yeah. boom, boom, yeah. boom, unplanned. Yeah, really, it was the marking of a new line. I absolutely love it here. <laughs> yes, a reinvention. Yeah. Absolutely. So I would love to know more. You go to college, you're studying dance. When was it that you reinvented not only in New Orleans, but also you taking this spiritual path on, we'll call it, as your profession? How did it become your career? Well, in university, I had predominantly been studying anthropology, archaeology, Middle Eastern studies, and Uh dance. And dance was highly focused on world dance, folkloric dance, and Middle Eastern dance as well. So when I got out, I kind of had this fantasy of working in a museum or, you know, or that's what, what, what my vision was. Like, I wanted to work for the Met and do a lot of curating with the Egyptology department and or go to Connecticut or whatever and do all that fun stuff, right? But I actually ended up living in Cairo in Egypt for close to oh. a year and studying um, in the University of Cairo in, in Zamalek, in, in Egypt, Zamalek, Egypt, and studying Egyptology there and taking a lot of intensive courses. What year was this that you did that? Excuse me, I want to say it's tw- tw- 2007 to okay. 2008. I was there in 2012. <laughs> yeah, you were there way after me. Yeah, oh my God, I miss it. I need to go back. So it's, a weird, it's a different place, I obviously, up- now you know, right? Like, I was there two weeks after the revolution. Oh, yeah. And there was no, oh yeah, so there was nobody there, and it was quite sad to see that this place that was so beautiful and such a huge, you know, just a part of our humanity and civilization had just like no one visiting because people were so scared of all the things, you know. But I'm sure it's a little right. Now, but it was pretty bad when I went. I had a oh, I know of someone who recently went there to live for a yeah. couple of months. I think she just came back yeah. to visit. She's been having the time of her life. I've seen a lot of people kind of going to to Egypt to live. So who knows? I'm putting that yes. out there to just go visit at yes, some point. Do. Yeah, yellow, yellow. <laughs> but however, I my experience there was just like heartbreaking because unfortunately, in any sort of anthropological or archaeological study. They're a little racist. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. You know. How and, so? Can you, um, I don't know I about just, that. Will you like just share a little bit about what that means? I was taking an art history class where they were trying to enforce why ancient Egyptians or the comedics were so dark skinned. Uh-huh. Because they were so dark skinned because they were working in the sun all day, not because they oh. were black. <laughs> you know? <laughs> skin bronzed naturally. So I was like, <laughs> And it's, yeah, so I, and then the reality of what I thought I would be doing would just be writing papers all day in a dim office. And I did actually do some like excavating and curating as like an intern and a beginner student. And it just wasn't like, I wasn't envisioning it to be glamorous, but it just didn't feel as much as I thought. (laughs) It wasn't as aligned. And then I felt like I was the only black and brown student in an array of Ivy League privileged kids. And I just was just like, you know what? This is an uphill battle. I do not want to climb. So what I did (laughs) was I got out of college and I started dancing professionally immediately. I took my love for Egypt. And what I wanted to study in Egypt mostly was uh, religious iconography, symbolism, and folkloric dance in ancient Egypt. And the most similar thing that I had to that, and and also like magical traditions and religion, stuff that I'm studying now, right? So the the thing that I had most parallel to that was Arabic dance, Barak Sharki, uh, belly dancing, 
So I studied that very heavily after college. I was performing, I was teaching, I took up other supplemental things like yoga and meditation and things that I can go to the Board of Ed and teach kids from my upbringing and my background um, to give back to the community. And, and through doing that, I met my friend who brought me into Isheshe. But that was holding me over for some time, you know, with the dancing and and um, how tarot came into play is that, you know, I word of mouth. So people would want to hire me for an event when they knew I was a tarot reader and a belly dancer. Hey, can you do a set? But also afterwards, we want you to stick around and read for the Tribeca Film Festival or, you know, do do this and do that and do a private party or do this wedding. And so I started just in building like business cards. And then I, I did a little makeshift website and then I started actually creating events. And then I was like, okay, I'm just going to put a calendar up and people can book me on days that I'm not dancing. And then social media came out and I started doing tarot meditations daily that way. And so this kind of builds into something that I didn't intend and plan to. It was kind of like, I'm choosing you. This is awesome to have as supplemental income, but also I just love being a resource and a guide and providing clarity and seeing the impact that my readings had on everybody. It came to a point where dancing and tarot readings couldn't coexist because it would just be like one is busier than the other and the other one would die down or like I'd be booked out for three months in advance dancing and then I wouldn't really get to focus on my tarot reading. I just made the choice to just focus on tarot predominantly and build that up because I knew that would be much more sustainable than me just having to get home at four or five in the morning from gigs every weekend, which wasn't safe and just hustling and hustling, hustling and just going to Long Island and going, to, you know, it, it's just too much as a dancer. So yeah, that's how that kind of, <laughs> again, it wasn't planned. It wasn't planned. <laughs> so I'd love to know, you know, people have been having these, reactions to your gift of reading tarot or interpreting tarot since you were little can you give us like a tarot 101 for someone i mean this is the most layman question but for you know not a lot of people know exactly like what tarot is or how it's read or what it means or how it can help are you able to give us a a little tutorial on all that sure so tarot cards is is that they're they're 78 illustrated cards and they're broken up into two sets major arcana and minor arcana and the major arcana cards that give you an overlying theme on what's going on in your life so they're major archetypal themes that everyone can relate to think of cards like death the empress the sun the star um hope, uh, divine feminism, transformation and rebirth, all these things that everyone as, as part of the human experiences, experience goes through. And then you have the minor arcana, which are suits. You have pentacles, that, which represent the earth element. You have wands, which represent the element of fire, um, swords, which represent air, and cups, which represent water earth for material grounded things that provide value money work career air communication your your mental disposition your thoughts your ideas you know cups emotion your emotional disposition right and fire action or lack thereof spirituality sexuality right and so all these minor cards kind of give you more insight on what the major arcana is talking about in your life as to who what when where and why right and so when we use tarot we're not using it as a predictive tool we're using it as a as a guide point a gps to help us get more clarity excuse me and understanding in our lives as to where we stand what choices we're making that are helping us thrive or lack thereof if there are any patterns that we're exhibiting that are we're not, you know, we're not conscious of that are harmful to us, you know. And so it's it's almost like therapy in a set of cards. The cards communicate through illustration, through symbols in each of the cards. It's like I, I tell people, you know, how they look at a picture and that picture says like a thousand words. They say that 
same with tarot. It's a game. It's meant to be taken lightly and just it's a tool for self-exploration. It helps you understand things in your subconscious that you may have not been privy to previously. And um, everybody can use it. It's almost like a journal prompt. Like something will come up and and it will say, let's say death, for instance. And you say, oh, death, what does that mean in my life? What's dying to be reborn? What's being reborn? What do I want to be reborn? So it's, I always find, you know, that it's helpful in that, it, as you say, it brings clarity to the current. It's not telling the future, yeah. right? So like people are, no. it will give you a probability. It will give you a probability. And I'll tell, I'll give people this example. If you've been drinking your whole life and you're an alcoholic and the tarot card for the future position says, oh, you might be hospitalized, right? It's a probability. It's like it's like you because of X, Y, and Z, you get that. Doesn't necessarily, but it doesn't mean concretely that's going to happen. Because what if that's your wake up right. call? Getting that reading, and you're like, okay, I'm I'm yes. cutting it. I'm going to rehab, or I'm changing my ways. What if the the reading is saying you're you're experiencing deep grief and sorrow over a death that you have not been able to properly cope, and that's why you're yeah. drinking. And then you decide to go to therapy after that reading and you stop drinking, right? So everything is not set in stone with tarot, which I, I love because it's very much kind of like a, a a lens into what can potentially happen. But you ultimately are the driver in the driver's seat of your life, right? You navigate, you make the, you make the choices that either you know, you have repercussions from, or, you know, you can save yourself at the end of the day. It's not all doom and gloom. That's just a very dramatic example because my Leo is showing. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that's the best way people can conceptualize it, you know? And so, yeah, it's just an excellent tool for everybody, just even as like a daily check. Do you, how many times a day do you pull a card for yourself or what does your personal tarot practice look like? Oh, I never You don't. <laughs> well you mean i've been reading i've been reading for over oh 20 God, years lady, pull it, pull it, i've been pull oh, even more so god, pull out, pull god deck. let's pull a card for you right now okay <laughs> oh, gonna, oh, no. do you have a favorite card as my goddess says oh no <laughs> <laughs> i have a favorite card i do i do i think it's cliche, but I do really love, I love the high uh-huh. priestess. <laughs> and any money yeah. cards, any okay. money cards that bring <laughs> anything that's like, okay, you're secure and fine. <laughs> you're always okay. secure and fine. I used to pull out daily and I've actually come to a place because of my tradition and other things that I've picked up where I'm doing divination in other forms other than tarot that I'm, I'm, I'm working to po- practice uh-huh. on, Such but working my bolera uh-huh. daily, uh, reading bones, scrying with my crystal ball. What is a, what is a, what are bones? Like dominoes? Reading smoke. <laughs> <laughs> I guess dominoes can technically be in your set of bones. <laughs> bones are a form of divination. They're in a, a traditional form of African divination. Bones used to be, depending on what region in Africa, actually that specific bones that you were gone through a particular ceremony that you were chosen to read. There are variation of animal bones that tell you different things about your life. Somehow that tradition has changed in the Americas and we don't have access to animal bones like that all the time. So what people have crafted is a collection of uh, assortments, whether it be buttons and, and trinkets and amulets and talismans and roots and herbs and things like that that represent something symbolically, a deeper meaning, so that when it's thrown, you read it in conjunction with the other objects and you can see, oh, maybe there's a thimble for protection next to this button. You got to button up protection or maybe it's something that you need to, you know, enclose or cover up or there could be a, a, a symbol of lips, this is love, romance, you know, a wedding ring, 
you know, engagement, things like that. So practicing that with my, my spirit guides, my dead. Spirit, what is the message that you have for me today? I can't wait to see what happens. Ancestors, what would you like to tell me in front of <laughs> Five, four, three, two, one. What is my stubborn ass here? Page of swords. Page of swords. I'm, I'm showing it to you like you can, everybody who's listening can hear. So absolutely not. So let me give you a graphic description of what the page of swords is. Um, I'm pulling from the Rider Waite deck. So this is a little bit more traditional in terms of what you see tarot looking at as in, so in, in media, right? People usually use this deck. If you buy a tarot book, this deck will be in the book. So the Page of Swords is, I don't know their gender, but let's say it's a young lad. It's a young dapper dude who's holding up a sword who's looking beyond his shoulder, almost in anticipation for something that's on the way. He's like watching, he's observant. He's eager. He's on his toes. But the background is clouds and the sky. And he seems to be on what's, what looks like is a cliff, right? So there's this, there's, this, there's this feeling of motion, being in motion, because he's kind of propelling himself forward, like, on guard, I'm going to attack something, but I'm also looking around to see what's coming my way, but not in a fearful manner. So the Page of Swords is a very youthful card. It talks about youthful energy. It talks about excitement and exhilaration. It talks about that anticipation of something that is coming our way. Swords pertains to the element of air, which is talking about things that are intangible. Our thoughts, you can't grab them. Communication, you can't catch it, right? So when we see the Page of Swords, it's saying be open, you know, have your ears open. Have your mind attentive. There's something coming that is important for you. There is news for you. This could be news from your ancestors. could be news from a close friend, family member. This could be from your spirit guides. This could be something that you overhear on social media or you see on social media that you can put into good use. Page of Swords is asking you to pay attention to the quality of thoughts that you have. There could be some sort of brilliant idea that you have recently, or you you feel motivated, you feel this burst of energy to write, to communicate, to create a podcast, to start writing a book, to really tell someone your true feelings. The thing about the Page of Swords is that it seems to be on a, again, the energy is very useful. So you want to be diplomatic. You want to be tactful in your approach. And it is like this early energy onset of something major that is on its way. So once you catch it, start running with it. Don't wait. Be opportunistic with what's coming your way. Is this resonating for you, for yourself? Not yet. (laughs) I mean, mean, yes and no, because there's always information coming my way, right? I'm a freaking medium. I talk to the dead. I mean, (laughs) let's just be real. There's always bing, 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 but like now at this point, I'm like, this is going to drive me crazy. Like <laughs> we got to reschedule this because I can't control what's going out there. So I'm hoping that maybe this is someone getting back to me saying, hey, we've got what Can you I need. tell you something? Because um, I think I have a little bit of like divining in me. You got, you got juice. You got juice. I'm thinking tell about me. Deanna, and I'm not joking about this. I'm really feeling this like from what you pulled. Oh, right? Shit. So you said the air. Okay. Here we go. Well, serious. So the air, you said the air, like the news comes from the air. I think that you're going to have a spark of inspiration that truly comes like a whisper in the wind for you. You're going to hear it. You're going to hear it come and it's going to come up behind you and through you almost like wind. And that is going to be the thing you catch for the next step of whatever like inspired, youthful, hopeful, um, creative idea for you and your business. I think you saying that also helped drive in this idea that I've been speaking into. So nothing comes time. everything. And that's the, that's the 
I'm getting, yeah, it's like time. I don't have much time to get it started. So Ooh, yeah. we did a little coke. Okay. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. My job. <laughs> no, I am. Um, I try to, like, I'll pull a tarot every once in a while, but I think that for me, and I don't know how to categorize myself, but I'll hear, I hear, I hear, I feel things, but then they're like, the the feeling is, almost has words that I can speak, essentially. Does that make sense? Right. Mm. Right, no, absolutely, that's how our intuition comes through. And I truly pull things from nothing, like, I pull it from nothing and make it matter, like, M-A-T-T-E-R, like, not make it, like, matter, but I make it into something tangible. I love doing that over and over and over and over again. You're an alchemist. I am an alchemist, thank you very much. I'm a spiritualist alchemist. I'm a socialist spiritualist alchemist. (laughs) This is so lovely. Just, I I would be interested to hear about your daughter. She's four, Sahada. Is she exhibiting any type of spirit world shit? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no i say that because it's when is sahara not dabbling with the dead no. right um this girl just came out of the womb i mean she was born on a freaking full moon oh. so that says a lot she came out of the womb just following in mommy's footsteps so she's very she's very much an herbalist she's into caring for plants mixing plants helping me make spiritual baths she loves divination. She loves saying good morning, ancestors, every morning at the yeah. shrine. Yeah. So, so she, she, it, it'll be interesting to see what she picks up and hones as her own. I have some guesses due to divination from Ifa what her orientation is going to be like. According to Ifa, she's my successor, so we'll see if she chooses that path or not. But, you know, every time I grab some cards from Sahara, Sahara starts pulling cards. Of course, these kids don't know what they're doing, but they know what they're doing. They're very much on point. They're very much, you know, accurate. Um, In fact, a lot of the spiritual baths that I do, she starts the base of them. And I just follow up when I start witnessing what she's doing in the kitchen. Oh, she's mixing all these herbs for love. And she doesn't know. She's going to get the sugar. She's going to get the honey. She wants to get the milk. She's asking me to get this oil. And it's like, girl, you don't even, like, what? (laughs) So I'm like, okay. I used to be like, you know, Virgo Nazi mom because it's just like incessant cleaning in the house, right? Just making a mess out of everything. And I'm like... Oh my God. Okay. Wait, that's not all right. But then I stepped back and I was like, let me actually see what my child is doing from a spiritual standpoint and learn from her and just fucking relax. So now that I've been doing that, she's totally, she's always on a roll. And so it's it's really beautiful. We enterprise her back. (laughs) (laughs) Get that Etsy store open immediately. Get it open. Get it Maybe out. this is the right. idea that like, the wind is whispering to us to get on the Right? I, you know what? That's so funny. Uh, my mom's been very selfish and just like, oh, you made this bath. Okay, let's go take it together. <laughs> <laughs> let's not bottle it up yet. But, you know, maybe that's that's something that is coming next for us is joint products, mommy and Daisy. I love it. I have a boy. And I pay attention to his, I don't know, divinity, spirituality. And the thing that he does is he'll, when things get a little hectic, he'll be like, mama, let's sit down and breathe. And he literally closes his eyes and like puts out his hands like this. I've not taught him this. He puts out his hands and he says, let's breathe together. And will literally goes away, melts away. Like his whole human form. Sorry, I don't know what that noise is. His whole human form just eases and melts into this thing where he holds calm space all around him that's it's amazing pretty amazing to have at such a young age wow it's pretty amazing yeah even the sense how like most of us adults don't even and this kid will be like mama let's take a minute to breathe okay that's, kid Zen out, okay <laughs> that's great sure you're doing a great job. You're doing amazing, sweetie. You're doing amazing. Um, so I just want to 
this boy's the next guru. He's the ne- next Deepak we'll Chopra. See. So you took, just like give a little overview as we wrap up on like you took all this beautiful, spiritual, natural gifts you had and you made a business. So what does that business look like right now? I know. I just, you know, I've been so much on the go. There's a part of me that really finds pleasure in working which is excellent, but I'm also undoing that because Same. I don't have a stop button, yep. right? It's surviving or so, thriving is like the thing that I'm experiencing right now because right. I too am from New York and I too have that like sort of immigrant hustle exactly. that doesn't stop ever. Exactly. So when you've been raised and encapsulated in this sort of behavior and energy of hustle, it's second nature, it's home, it's comforting, but it's also not yep. healthy. So I'm currently navigating, you know, expanding the business, but not necessarily expanding my energy and, you know, sacrificing my well-being for that expansion. And that's a major reason why I pulled back on personal readings this year. I think it's the first time where my audience was like, wow, this girl is really not giving any readings. It's the first time I've never, I'm like, I, you know, because I'm also growing as a priestess and learning other traditional forms and wanting to master those forms. So I don't have time for personal study or mothering or cleaning and cooking and all these other things. If I'm just incessantly giving readings from 9am to like 9pm, which just is not healthy. Right. And so, you know, things that I've always had in my brain, seeds that I've been wanting to plant ever since I started the business, such as launching a course and rebranding and really just stepping it up in terms of people knowing that I'm a professional diviner, right? Um, I've been able to establish this year thanks to my business coach. And I'm learning a lot about delegation and asking for help and knowing that I need help and knowing that I just can't do it all by myself. Um, and that has just been a major, major blessing because she's, you know, she's my coach, but she's also my close friend. So she knows what's going on in my daily life. And she's just like, there's just no way you can operate doing everything by yourself. It's just not, you're going to crash and burn. And so, yeah, so navigating that, uh, boat and, and giving myself more grace as a mother and, and also trying to find the balance between, seeing Sahara grow and being there when she needs me and and problem solving with things that may not have a solution in her life and also being present fully and excited to show up for work and creating new and interesting offerings and services and, and ways to serve my community that's not going to zap me dead so it's interesting it's fun I'm excited I'm super excited for what the new year has to bring. I feel much more grounded, uh, well-rounded, and balanced um, than any of my previous years. I think I'm doing an exceptional yes, job. Are. I probably wouldn't have said this months yeah. ago. Yes, you are. <laughs> yeah, it's been a lot of like, be easy on, be nice to yourself, Todd. Be nicer. Because <laughs> I could be like, what? yeah, I know, me too. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, of course. Of course. With what you said, I just resonated with it so much. So I'm like, yeah, you know, moms need to know you're not the only ones out there. So That's for beautiful. sure. <laughs> you have a beautiful <laughs> online social presence. So I just like implore everybody to go check out your social and, and follow you on Instagram because um, you have just beautiful content that you put out. Can we um, can we Thank end you. it? Will you pull a card for me to end this? See what mine says? Yes, Please. ma'am. And thank you. You're like, I'm exhausted. Yeah. I'm like, let me just pull the next. No. This is awesome. Can you do anything <laughs> special? Jess, I want yeah. you to. Well, I want you to focus. Spirit, what is Jess looking for? My eyes are closed and I'm connecting to your spirit and your soul and these cards that you're shepherding. What is she missing to hear at this time? When you feel ready, Jess, tell me when to stop. Shuffle. Stop. I love this. Is like tarot ASMR. <laughs> the tarot thing. Which I've always said I want to do yeah. that one day. It's so relaxing. 
<laughs> All right, yes, you are getting the page of wands. Jess, this is like fire being lit under okay. your eyes. This is a time for expansion <gasps> and growth. Um, I feel like there is um there's this energy of strong purpose, almost like there is this need or this desire to put something out there or to achieve something that maybe has not yet been done. And there's an element of excitement before too, almost as if like, oh, I don't see anyone else doing this either. And so I want to be a trailblazer. I want to be one of the first ones that is in it to win it. But also Page of Wands could be a shift in your mindset, maybe in some areas where you have been holding yourself back or feeling limited by or have had some challenges by, I see almost like the roads opening mm. up for you to fully navigate and cruise on through with ease. Um, it is a radical mm-hmm. time. It's a radical time to really flaunt your power, um, your creativity, show what you're working with and not be meek or uh, belittle your sense of autonomy and power and independence and brilliance, really. Let everybody know what you're working with and what force you are. I receive. So, really excited. I receive this fully. <laughs> I receive it in my life. Yeah. Well, yes. Katya, you gorgeous thing. This has been a super, super duper magical time, a really magical time. And I want to just thank you for sharing you and sharing your gifts with me and with anyone listening. So thank you. Thank you so much, Jess. I am honored to be here. It's been a minute since I've done a podcast. And so I'm really excited. I'm really excited that I jumped on through. (laughs) If you enjoyed today's show, be sure to download, like, and subscribe and share with your other rebel women. I'm Jess Zaino, and this is the Mothers of Reinvention. Yay! Yeah, back it, back it. Yeah, pull up to the bumper game with the signal. Cover me, cause I'm changing how to handle on it. My life, but I broke it. When I get to where I'm going, gonna have you saying it. Stop, stop.